Welcome to Butterflies and Incantations, a podcast about all things weird and magical. I'm your host, Vanessa. Today we have Alex. Alex is from the Alex Cast podcast, which I've been on, and also he's a published author. He, his book, Periphery, I'm actually in the middle of reading. Welcome, Alex. Hello, thank you for having me on. Yeah, thanks for coming on. So, tell me, how did you get into the occult? Uh, well, I guess, like, formally, I got into it, um, I don't know, growing up, I, I just, I, I've always been into, I liked weird things. I mean, my, I think my first love was reading about the pyramids, and I was obsessed with the Loch Ness Monster, so my whole life I've always been into kind of the esoterica, 14 side of the world, but when I was about... <laughs> you mentioned the, the Loch Ness Monster, that's my music logo. <laughs> oh, for real? Oh, perfect. Oh, yeah, yeah, I would guess, yeah, yeah, Vanessa, Nessie, okay, yeah, this totally works, yeah. Um, yeah, I was just into all this, and then, um, kind of midway through high school, I started to, uh, I don't even know what turned me on to it, but there was this occult shop a couple towns over from where I grew up, and I was there buying incense to cover up pot smoke, and, uh, they had had a bunch of tarot decks, and, uh, I was kind of drawn to it. I've always loved the idea of tarot and I'd never read anything, but I just kind of like, you know, it was in the air. I knew about these kind of amazing cards. And, uh, I ended up buying a, a set of Crowley's, the Thoth deck. Oh, um, I love that. That's my favorite deck. That's the one. That's like the one I go to the most. Yeah. I read it. I, I, that's the one I read for, I still, I, I still own my original deck and I, I got that when I was, you know, 15, 16, you know, mid nineties. Um, I'm, I'm old. And, uh, <laughs> Yeah, I I read that with that one for years upon years, and that kind of opened the doors to. I didn't, I didn't, I never joined in any of the Thelema stuff, but like I found out about it, and I was like, oh, there's this whole world out there, and so I started reading, you know, the major books, and just kind of never stopped, and which I probably should at some point stop and actually start belonging to one of these things. I but I, I just every every book I read, there's a new bit of information that I find interesting, so I don't, you know, I haven't actually. I'm not a an anything. Like I guess you can say I'm a chaos magician, but like I'm not. I just that's the closest one, only because I'm kind of wishy washy about things. I'm kind of like a I don't know some kind of weirdo Hindu Buddhist strange chaos man that sort of thinks science is probably right and this is all bullshit. So yeah, that's where I'm coming from. <laughs> the uh, the the word that I often hear t- thrown around for that is eclectic. Yeah, I suppose so. I, I, I guess I'm, I guess I'm eclectic, but I don't know. That's weird too. I just, I don't like descriptive terms. It just, I don't, I don't like, just, I don't like things describe me. I don't like belonging to stuff. I bristle at that. I don't like groupthink. It, it's, it's weird. Groups are always wrong. What's your uh, sun sign? Uh, my sun sign is Libra. Okay. It, my astrology doesn't work. Like I've gotten my, my full. Uh, you know, my full chart done a couple of times by one by a very talented person, one by somebody kind of new, but both times, boy, it is describing a human being that has nothing to do with me. Like in this, like it is swing and a miss. Uh, <laughs> I don't know, if, you know, I don't know if just sometimes there's just whiffs by the universe or I, I, I defied my programming too early on. So I never got to grow into it, but yeah, it, it, it never really worked out for me with the astrology. That's it's one aspect of the occult that I just never got into. Cause it's at least my personal experience of it was, boy, my, my descriptives aren't accurate. You know, like I don't even remember what they said, but it's all this weird, like 
weird, like kind of aggro stuff. Like, I mean, literally the opposite of my personality is what that is. And it's very strange. Well, it's not strange. It's just, I came to the conclusion that astrology, at least in, in from my worldview might not be the most accurate thing in the universe. Well, actually it's interesting. You mentioned that because like in my experience, like, yeah, kind of my, uh, sidereal or i mean sorry my uh, tropical kind of works but what really s seems to resonate for me at least for my natal chart is my sidereal like you know if you looked up into the sky what did that actually look like rather than what did that look like at the tropics kind of thing so oh, I see. yeah which is which is how the mesopotamians would have done it i mean they they didn't come up with i mean they did come up with the tropical thing but but that was the babylonians and that was somewhat later um, towards the end period, right about the time when the Greeks took it over. But, um, like, that was pretty much how they did it for most of the time was, you know, they had a map of the sky of, you know, where these constellations, where, where the signs were considered based on the constellations, and they would just look up in the sky and see what's there. And, in fact, like, the viewing conditions, like what the weather's like and, and how the atmosphere was playing with it could actually be seen as like part of the sign as well so like for example if the you know how the atmosphere can sometimes make the moon look red well that would be yeah. like a different interpretation for the moon sign than if it looked normal so um looking at m what the sky looked like when i was born actually seems to match w at least my interpretation of myself better than you know how my natal chart looks under the more common tropical zodiac. So I wonder if, if you looked at that, I wonder if that would actually match more. It's not a bad thing for me to look into. I have another kind of, not theory, but well, yeah, let's just say theory for common parlance theory, not, not proper theory, but, um, Hypothesis. yeah. Um, there is, a. Uh, how deep do I want to go into this? Okay, so without without getting too whatever, I'm, I say way too many personal things on every podcast. I'll be too personal on yours. My family, <laughs> uh, my so I have two older brothers, and my parents were trying for a third child, and that child didn't make it. It was you know stillborn, and I've had this thing in my head, and I don't know if it's because I knew the story of this person that didn't work out, you know, because um, they were going to have three kids, so I wasn't going to happen if that child had lived. And I've always, I've had this kind of, I don't know how to word it, but almost like I was rerouted to be in this family, to be born when I was. So like my, my sign, I bet you would well not, I bet you that's a dumb term, but I, my sign probably would have worked out if I was born when I was supposed to, you know, if you believe in that whole soul incarnating at a certain time thing, I feel like I was kind of like a, a second string, like that family needed to have a third child and I was destined to be, you know, I don't know, some, you know, uh, some guy that grew up in Manchester, England or something, you know, it's, you know, that was born two weeks later, or three years later or something. It's actually interesting that you mentioned that because the Sumerians actually had a word for that. And I can't for the life of me remember what it was, but essentially the idea is that the spirit of the child that never was is still lingering around and messing things up for, yeah, the, maybe, for the child yeah. that does get born. So, uh, like I and, and which has has some really entering interesting interplay with uh, Philip K. Dick's like his entire life story because he had a twin that never got born, um, and that like completely changed his his world view from a young age. So like I very much see have seen that that kind of drama play out a few times in like 
in my observances. Now, I'm the firstborn child, so, like, I've, I've never... And there was no... Like, I was the first thing that came... That that sentence was gonna go weird. <laughs> <laughs> there, there was no uh, failed t- child attempt before me, to my knowledge, so... Like, I never had that, but I've definitely seen, like, people who have that kind of story. There, there's, like, a... I want to use the old English word weird, <laughs> you know, yeah, like, like, I, home, yeah. like, like fate for them is, is kind of twisted up and, and mixed around from what it's supposed to be. So that actually, that actually makes a whole lot of sense from my point of view. Yeah. I, it's the only thing I can really put my finger because I, it's not that I want astrology to work, but like, I know some pretty smart people that believe in it. And it, it, the fact that I'm such like, I, I don't sit properly in most things I feel like there's some kind of, I don't know, uh, just, yeah, like that sort of thing. Like I, I was a replacement player for, you know, I was supposed to be somewhere else. And supposed is the wrong term, but, you know, faded, whatever you want to use it. You know, the, the arachne, you know, the thread went sideways, whatever, whatever the deal is, you know, because it just, it doesn't, it does I don't fit where I grew up. I, I escaped immediately. You know, it's just, yeah. Well, well, actually, uh. I keep going back to the Sumerians, but as you know, I'm a Sumerian reconstructionalist, so that's kind of yeah, no, it's uh, it, it, um, the way it is. You, know, you talk the, to the physicists; they talk about physics a lot. You know, it's it, it's it happens. In the uh, Sumerian creation story, which is more the the creation of humans story, um, a person's life like purpose isn't given to them until like they've already been born, and then it's given to them by Inki, the god oh, of okay. wisdom. Yeah. So, from a Sumerian worldview, like, yeah, very much that could be a thing that happened. Like, you were meant to be incarnated someone else, but they were like, oh, crap, 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 we need this, we need this, uh, Abzu energy over here, let's, let's throw it into this one. And then yeah. Nikki's like, I don't know, I, I had a whole plan, and now you messed it up, I don't know, you, you can be a, a podcaster, go do that. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, a podcast is such a perfect one for that. It's just like, it's just the gods grasp against girls. What's going to happen in the next 20, 30 years? Uh, that fucking microphone thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It'll be one of those. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, what have you been up to lately in the, uh, uh, the occult practice? Have you been doing anything or? I mean, nothing too... Oh, oh, here's something I can talk... I haven't talked about this before, and uh, if anybody listens to my show, uh, apologies for what I'm about to tell you. Um, I've been... So, I, with the Chaos Magic thing, I'm sure you're aware, and if they're listening to your show, I'm sure they're aware as well, but the whole sigil-making idea that in Chaos Magic where you basically break down a statement of intent into its component letters and kind of draw a symbol based on that. There's another methodology of doing that where you do it into its like its phonemes, into its sound structure, and then basically make a mantra sigil. Uh, I've, I've heard of a couple different ways of doing that. Yeah, so I've been doing that lately, and then layering it under my podcast in a kind of uh, you know uh, sneaky uh, putting my intention out into the universe way. So um, that's what that was. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I'm not going to say what it, what it was for. I assure you, it's, it's pure positivity. Uh, you know, uh, I, uh, no, there's no ill will coming from me towards anything or anyone. But, uh, uh, well, I mean, unless you're the current president. But besides that, I have very little <laughs> will towards anybody. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm a light worker. Like, uh, we're good. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I've been, I've been layering that. And that's been, that's been a really interesting process. Because 
I've been working with audio, like I've been doing the, the podcasting for like nine years or something like that. And I've talked about my occult practice. Uh, you know, I've talked about all that stuff on the show extensively, but it's weird. It's, uh, other than one time my friend Eric and I tried to summon a cartoon demon on the show. I've never really I done it. that one. And I'm, I'm telling you, I need to be there for the next one. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, come, uh, I think we're going to do another one in, in this coming October of, you know, just a yearly tradition of trying to summon cartoon demons. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to have to try and like get a ticket or something. <laughs> yeah. So I, that's my kind of lately trying to fuse those two worlds together. Cause I've certainly like, I, my writing is infused with magic. Like there is, purposeful spell work that goes on with what I write and behind what I write and how I write. And I've definitely seen a little bit of that. I'm sorry to interrupt. Um, I've I've definitely seen a little of that and what little I've been able to get through of periphery. You know, I have crazy amounts of books I'm constantly reading. Oh yeah. 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 No, I, I I never take it any kind of personally, especially someone that's like more of like a nonfiction reader. It's, this happens a lot where it's just like, yeah, I'm like the one fiction book on the shelf at the moment. I'm like, all right, cool, that's cool. Yeah, yeah <laughs> I, I'm actually, I'm, 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 looking, I'm looking at my shelf of books I'm currently reading, and it's literally the only non it's the only, it's the only yeah. thing that's not nonfiction. <laughs> yeah, that's a, a, a friend of mine, a massive, massive nerd, does not read fiction in the slightest. And uh, she told me that, uh, that my book was okay. And I took that as a huge compliment because she hates fiction. Like she could read, you know, uh, Hemingway, Murakami, Kerouac, uh, uh, James Joyce, roll them all into one and make the best writer ever. And she'd be like, yeah, you know, whatever. It's fiction. Don't like it. So her saying my book was OK. It's like, fuck, yeah, that's like the highest compliment anybody can get. <laughs> I mean, I've, I've jo- enjoyed what little I've read of it. It's just, you know, I'm also reading ancestral medicine and stories from ancient Canaan and literature of ancient yeah. Sumer. And... <laughs> I know I, I, I completely understand. I have a hard time doing that, too. I have my friend's book I'm reading uh, as a kind of test editor, you know, beta tester of it. And between I'm reading that I'm reading uh, Stephen Fry, the English uh actor writer guy he yeah, did a retell of all the greek myths so i'm yeah. reading his version of all the greek myths right now that's kind of interesting i might have to look that up it's it's fun he's very kind of dry and stephen fry about it so he kind of just glosses over a whole bunch of stuff it's really interesting but reading that and uh i'm reading one fiction book besides that so i'm always got like three or four kind of rotating so anytime anybody's waiting for a response from me it's like sorry this is gonna take a while <laughs> <laughs> i got distracted by persephone yeah yeah, I, I get, I get it. <laughs> yeah, I think that's the only kind of, uh, well, you know, actually, uh, on the kind of occult front. So, I, me and my friend Eric, uh, we're doing a comic book together that we just started working on. Oh yeah, and I think you mentioned that on, uh, what was that, that other podcast? The, oh, I can't remember. Never mind. <laughs> yeah, one of one of them. I'm on all of them. Um, <laughs> but. Uh, we're doing that and we're both uh, kind of occulty weirdos is the phrase I like to use. So we're infusing it in, in the book a lot. And the book is very magic oriented. I, it's not out yet. So I'm not going to go into any kind of like actual detail because who the hell knows what it's going to turn into by the time we actually get it done. But that's been fun. Like this weird magical exercise between two people. Cause I've been very much a solo practitioner for most of my time. So it's interesting to start working with other people. This is, this is Eric Millar. He, um, okay. if, if anybody follows We the Hallowed, it's a little. Oh, okay, yeah, that guy. That's the uh, disruption generator, the uh, oh. randomly drawn uh, word from a dictionary. Then he draws it into a, a kind of um, oracular card instead of you know 
the problem is trying to get uh, anybody to print tarot decks for you. It's it's you have to like you have to get like 500 made in order for them to be remotely affordable. So it becomes this really awkward enterprise. It's like when you're a band, when you have to buy shirts and then the next, you know, you've got an entire basement full of shirts with your stupid high school band name on them. <laughs> I know how that's like. I have uh, quite a few things with my uh, my old high school band on them. So. <laughs> Yeah, it's uh, it, it is it is a very similar story across the eons. <laughs> t-shirts and basements. <laughs> Luckily, no t-shirts, but I definitely have things strewn about my apartment with with that, and le- a lot of burned CDRs. <laughs> oh yeah, I mean, I just I think I'm down to my last five, but I I from I put up periphery I think six seven years ago or something like that. I don't know a while ago. But uh, I, I'm down to my last five from this box I had from back then because I bought way too many because it was cheaper if I bought it in bulk. So I just had this red. I just found it like somewhat recently. So now sitting in my kitchen just because that's a spot to have it. There's this dwindling pile of periphery. See, I wish I would have known or I would have bought directly from you instead of getting it off of Amazon. Oh, yeah, but I'm lazy and I probably would never mail it. It's, it's It was better off for you to, <laughs> to ensure you actually got a copy. It's Amazon. Fair enough. I it's I wish I was better at it, but it's it's one of those things where I'll have an order for like you know I, I was collecting like four or five at a time when I was when the book was kind of in its early stages, and then I would send out like oh cool I'll send out you know these fifteen cool we got it, but if I have to send out one it's like all right this is gonna be a month yeah. <laughs> so anyways, you were talking about your audio sigils. Oh yeah. Um, I mean that's pretty really it is I just been implanting them in in the podcast is uh. I don't think you should talk about the work while it's being happening. Uh, right, you right. Know. I, I tend so to not. Without giving anything, like what what I'm focused on and what I put out of the universe hasn't had time to work yet. Like the, the timing of it hasn't happened yet. So I can't report back whether it's working or it's not working. It's got to be, uh, you know, a few months have to pass before I can even uh, begin to understand. But it's yep. kind of fun to, you know, fuck with people subconscious a little bit. <laughs> I know how that is on both accounts. Um, I'd be lying if I said I hadn't slipped some weird messages into my music before. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, yeah, I, I think it's kind of expected. Yeah, I just I, I felt a little weird doing it, but I was like, wait a second, they're listening to my show. I mean, yeah, <laughs> I demon. I mean, yeah, I think they could deal with me whispering. I mean, and it's sub sub perceptual audio. Like, I, you, I, I, I think maybe if you had like a really good sound system and did some, you know, digital, you know, forensics, maybe you could pick up some of it. But for the most part, it's essentially not there. Fair enough. I, I've done a little bit of that myself with uh, Chaos Magic Sigils posted to my Facebook page, where, uh, you know, as a way of sending them out into the universe. Oh, yeah. And then people commented, ooh, what's this sigil for? I'm like, I can't tell you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I had a friend that did that, that every time he changed his uh, Facebook, uh, you know, profile picture, he would, you know, go into Photoshop and hide a sigil behind it, you know, like do like a really like a one percent opacity sigil, like kind of in his hair or something along those lines. Oh, that's really so it's cool. you know, charging it via Facebook, but no one knowing. Uh, personally, I've, I've kind of stopped doing that because in my experience, like burning it seems to be the most effective way for me. So I tend to. Oh, write yeah. it. Right, either on a piece of paper or on a bay leaf and then burn it. Yeah, I do the, uh, I, I don't burn anymore. Now I wash them, like, because I do it on paper and just kind of pulp it 
and kind of turn it back into water and pulp. And then like, that's why I destroy it hmm. mostly because I live in an apartment. And one time I was burning, uh, sigils that I did, uh, in, in like kind of the back driveway and my landlady drove in while it was happening. And I felt really awkward because I'm sitting there with a pot on fire in the, you know, it's by the back <laughs> driveway. like, Hey, what's going on? I have I a cauldron, the house. So. That's good, right? <laughs> <laughs> I have a, I have a cauldron that I use. Yeah, I wish I did. I'm I'm a little limited, but you know my rent's cheap, so I have to I have to take the 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 occult practice hit of where I live. I I know how that is. I'm not allowed to have candles anymore. <laughs> oh, candles! Wow, I'm not. Incense is a little dicey. Like certain kinds of incense, she's okay with, but uh, t- candles I can totally do. No, she doesn't like incense, candles, anything with fire. Ah. Uh, so. Yeah, that's. A- she came she came in, into my apartment for an inspection for there was some work that was done and she was like inspecting it and she saw my altar with all the candles and she's like you can't do that there's that's a fire hazard and I'm like like I wanted to argue but at the same time like it's really cheap rent and I don't really want to risk it yeah <laughs> you know? and I keep planning to move somewhere but I keep not deciding where I want to move I can't decide if yeah. I want to move closer to my work or just scrap it and move somewhere else. Move to Portland, move to Philly. I, I don't know. I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> well, Philly's got a cool occult scene and there's still cheap rent there. Uh, Portland has a cool occult scene and there's no cheap rent here. Yeah, that was the the one thing. Like, everything was so expensive. I was just like, how am I ever going to afford that? But I feel like of the two places, I'd probably enjoy Portland more, but financially it would hurt <laughs> well that's the thing is you know that's why there's still cheap rent it's because it's you know a shitty area for the most part like so philly's rad i like philly and i have i have one of my best friends is in philly and it's cool it's a good city but it you know it's it, the parts you can afford are going to be rough and then yeah. portland is you know it's delightful dancing through the tulips town but everything is is ungodly expensive yeah if only there was somewhere in between <laughs> Yeah, I mean, that's what everybody says here is like, what, you know, everybody wants Portland 10 years ago. Uh, but when I moved here, I moved here because it was cheap. You know, every every rent was cheap. It was amazingly inexpensive in Portland, and then it just exploded. But yeah, well, uh, yeah. So we want 10 years ago Portland. Find anytime that. something becomes popular, there's capitalists wanting to exploit it, so. Yeah, I know, but you know, I, I like the old one. <laughs> I like the old Portland. I'm... My my apartment it's cheap for now, but back then I could be living in a fucking palace. I could rent a house. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, my dream has always just been to like move out into the middle of forest and bring a bunch of occult weirdos with me and like build our own town. But it's <laughs> yeah. even more difficult to pull off, especially these days. Yeah, and then you need <laughs> other weirdos that are like know how to do anything other than just be occult weirdos and have money and all that seems impossible. <laughs> I don't know that that part's easy like I had a whole group of people like oh I can do this I can do this I can do this we had like a whole plan of how we were we were going to do the farm and everything but the problem is money to to do it in the first place is the is the always the biggest hurdle yeah I mean for for my kind of a cult group if you need like a website designed or (laughs) you know uh music or any kind of nerdity, yeah, but I don't think I know anybody that knows, like, which way a shovel goes, or, like, how to hoe a field, or whatever the fuck you do in a field. <laughs> like, I, I, see, 
I actually, I know more people on the other side, and it's probably, some of it is just living in Ohio, where cornfields are, like, <laughs> the most of the state. Oh, fair <laughs> enough, yeah. So, for me, it's, like, getting people who who are, like, electricians, or know how to, like, run internet cable. I'm, like, I was the, the one that knew how to do internet cable. <laughs> yeah. See, my, yeah, if I started the commune with my social group, it would be, I mean, we'd have really, really good internet. Our website would be fantastic. I mean, uh, it, we, we'd have some really great literature and art coming out of the commune. There'd be some really good bands. The electricity would run. I know three electricians, but we would starve to death very quickly. No one would ever pay taxes because we don't know anything about filling in forms. Like, we've, we've got a very, very select group of uh, of kind of artistic weirdos in a very specific way so maybe i guess we should just move to ohio and bar your people (laughs) well i know quite a few people in ohio unfortunately most of them have families and are settled which is part of the problem i'm a coastal elitist i I admit it i don't know anything about (laughs) farming or any of that any of that middle country stuff yeah no see i always I, i grew up in the suburbs but the suburbs in ohio means right on the edge of the farmland so like half my friends grew up on like in farmhouses and like so i know i i know quite a few people but uh, more than that like i learned some of that stuff growing up not as much as i wish i had but that was because i was always more interested in video games and yeah climbing trees and running off into the forest and being absurd (laughs) Yeah, I mean that's those are important skills too. You know, I think absurdity has served me far better than my not knowing how to farm in my adult life. Yeah, and then of course, as I got older, I got more and more into video games, and that led to me looking into or you know pursuing an IT career, which has helped me in some ways, but has really hurt me in others, especially as the dot com bubble crashed. All of a sudden, I went from having so many prospects to Oh yeah, there's too many of those. We need, we need more specialized people. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. No, a lot of a lot of my group uh, went through that as well. Luckily, a lot of that was like right when I was still like finishing up school, so I was able to like pivot somewhat. But even still, with with my uh, technical skill, I should I should probably be in a much more uh, like a higher up position than I am, just simply because. You know, the dot-com bubble burst and all, a lot of the tech jobs went away. Unless you yeah. want to work for the military. And I did that once and did not like it. Yeah, I mean, uh, I'm, not, I'm not a big military fan, so I'm glad you're not doing that. And it is kind of eating to murder. Yeah. I don't need that negative karma. <laughs> yeah. See, for me, I, I trained, I went to college for writing and I focused in poetry so I'm making about as much as I ever expected to is I'm starving all the time and can barely make rent. But I knew that going in. <laughs> they're, they're never, my, the, the poetry bubble never burst. It was, it was always burst. There was never a chance of me ever making any kind of cash. So it's, I've been, I've been, uh, I, I've, I've accepted this for, for the long haul. Have you ever like actually published any books of poetry? Uh, my first book uh, called The Void Sutras is uh, poetry and short kind of prosy pose. Okay, uh, you're going to have to link me to that because I love poetry. I have quite a few poetry books. Yeah, it's it's on Amazon. It's uh, it's called The Void Sutras. It's the 
It's the first thing I ever put out. Uh, I I think it's probably still good. I haven't read it in a long time, but um, I I was I was reasonably well respected as a poet back then, and you know I'd gotten into a few pretty good poetry journals. So I'm, I'm, I I would suspect it still holds up. Speaking of occult weirdy nonsense and poetry, have you ever read uh, the uh, Book of the Dead Man? No, I don't think I even know what that is. It's by Marvin Bell. It's it's it was one of my first like I love this to death poetry books. Oh yeah. <laughs> and he's done a he did a couple sequels to it. I have the second one as well, but I'm not all the way through it. I just got it. But uh it's it's Zen poetry, but told from the perspective of a person who died and yet never stopped living. It's really weird, but really cool and kind of creepy all at the same time. <laughs> yeah, that sounds great. Yeah, that sounds right up my alley. I absolutely love it. Some of my other favorite poetry books are definitely The Book of Lies by Crowley and uh, The Changing Light at Sandover by uh, James Merrill. So. Yeah, I'm, I'm not a huge Crowley. I'm not a fan of his writing so much. I don't like his prose, but his poetry yeah. is right up my alley yeah maybe i didn't give it a chance because i hate his prose so much uh, it's, his prose is his awful prose i'm is, not gonna yeah. lie <laughs> he's also someone that claims to like he wanted to you know in, in ushering in the new aeon he wanted to be clear about the practices and you know you know make things on the sur you know uh, available and then he just writes the most obfuscated just ridiculous hard to read prose and it's uh, that just annoys me it's just such a hypocritical and ugh. yeah Screw his writing. Made a great tarot deck, though. I can't, can't, can't stress that enough. Don't really like anything else he did, but love his tarot deck. The Book of Lies is actually based on the Gematria. So, like, if you match up the numbered uh, uh, tarot cards for the uh, for the first, you know, whatever poems, they match yeah. up to those tarot cards. So, oh, that's cool. That's uh, actually pretty interesting to read. I know I read it when I was in high school. I just I, I don't remember it anymore. I, and I was kind of annoyed at his writing. So you know, maybe it's something. I, I, I'm pretty sure I actually have it on my shelf still somewhere. Yeah, if you take it just as poetry and 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 don't focus so much on the occulty stuff, though there's certainly occulty stuff there. It's actually really fun. I th I, I think, but I I like really bizarre poetry. So. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I've been out of the poetry game for so long, so I don't even know. You know, maybe that'll be my my reentry. Have you ever read the Changing Light at Sandover? No, I know that I know that title though. I never read it. It's a it's a three part epic poem based on a series of Ouija board sessions. Yeah, I think that's why I know it. Yeah, now 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 that sounds familiar. I'm like that that title is in my head for some reason. Uh. It's it's really interesting and really weird. I don't really know what to make of it, but I certainly love reading it, and it's got some really interesting ideas to play with. Yeah, I, I like channeled stuff. I, I went on a on a pretty long run of reading just all channeled information and, you know, Ouija-based Ouija stuff, automatic writing-based stuff, and some of it's actually really interesting. And I mean, some of it's dog shit, but it, the interesting stuff is out there. It's pretty fun. So I assume you've read Seth Speaks, then? Yeah, I think so. Wait, remind me of Seth Speaks. That sounds super familiar. I keep you gotta remember I'm old. I and mean, all this stuff is from fifteen years ago when I read things. <laughs> and and I've read I've been playing catch up, so all this stuff is yeah. like fresh in my mind. Yeah. Um it's the one where it's essentially that 
everything is kind of like psychologically projected and uh it's it's really complicated so it's hard to like boil it down into a, a somewhere a, anything like coherent and in any sort of short summary yeah i'm having trouble with words now um but oh okay i'm looking it up now yeah yeah, yeah totally uh yeah yeah i have i and i read the other book by uh by this person yeah, I only got the first one, but uh, I, I definitely found it pretty interesting. Um, and and what what I find the most interesting with it is it kind of plays into uh, the changing light of Sandover. If you like read them together, they kind of they kind of complement each other, which I thought was really interesting. Yeah. Oh wow. So, uh, I'm kind of free. I totally forgot about this. Yeah, because the one dude uh, that's part of this did the. Uh, did this book on how to develop your ESP abilities. Oh, uh, which I read years ago. I, I think maybe he was the editor or something. Uh, God, this goes back a billion years, but anyway, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I did read that. Uh, Sorry. I'm, I've just, I'm just starting to fangirl about esoteric poetry. <laughs> Most people, they tune out when I start talking about that. So. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I mean, I, I wish I could be more of a help on that, but it's like, it's, it's, I'm old, <laughs> you know, it's like, oh God, I wish, I wish I could like bring, uh, you know, 20 year old Alex or 22 year old Alex to have the conversation. Cause, oh boy, back then I knew all this shit, like the back of my head, I could recite some stuff. Now I'm just, you know, grizzled, my knees ache. <laughs> I'm also, I'm, I mean, I'm sitting right here, like I'm sitting on my bed. I'm not on my desk this time. Um, I figured it, the acoustics would be better. And so I'm sitting in between all of my bookshelves. So I'm just sitting here, like, looking at all my books as we talk. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, I, I'm staring at, uh, at some soundproofing material. But my, my books are behind me. So you know, if you ever bring one up that I have within arm's reach, it can happen. <laughs> I'm trying to think of where to go to from here because my brain's just in poetry. <laughs> Yeah, I don't have any poetry on uh, within reach. Sorry, I, I have the I have some Harry Potter books. Ooh, I actually I have a weird love hate relationship with that because in a lot of ways that was kind of what got me started. In that, like, I had been reading them, and then someone introduced me to Wicca because I'd never heard of it before. Well, I'd heard of it, but I'd never really like knew what it was in any kind of detail. Because the only other person I ever knew that was in it wouldn't talk about it much, which I later found out was because she wasn't really in it. She had like a couple books and a tarot deck, and that was. Oh yeah. <laughs> and that was she just liked the idea of being Wiccan, but didn't actually really practice. But uh, yeah, I had a a girlfriend that uh was involved in it, and she uh she was actually the one who got me started, and. Harry Potter, in a lot of ways, was the thing that kind of, like, opened me up to wanting that. But only because of the timing. Like, if I had read it uh, and then, then come across it later, it probably wouldn't have played so into it. But, like, because my headspace was very much, you know, wands and magic and stuff, at that, like, the, it all just... I guess, looking back on it, it was kind of like... It was one of those synchronicity moments, but I didn't really think of it as that at the time. Yeah. I, then, I mean, I got it. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Well, I was just going to say like, but my, the hate side of it is the fact that it is so like, it's very clearly a Catholic writing it. And 
especially in recent years, she's come out with some really shitty opinions. So, <sighs> yeah, I got into it when I was an adult um, because Stephen Fry read the audiobooks was the mm-hmm. only the only real thing. I, I was having a really rough he has mental such health. Such a lovely voice. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I, I honestly think he saved my life. Like, I was just having this really rough mental health episode, and it was bad. Like, real, real, like, proper. If I, if I had, if I had anybody in my life that, uh, of of any kind of like, uh, you know, like a social structure, somebody probably should have put me somewhere safe for a while. Uh, but no one did. Uh, but I, the only way I fell asleep for like two years straight was listening to Stephen Fry read those books. So they have like this really massive, warm place in my heart. But more so because of him. Like if I pay attention to the books at all or her, which I try not to pay attention to her because it's like, oh, you're going to ruin it for me. Like, I just I like Stephen's voice. <laughs> like It's not my, you know, I don't. So I don't like I don't like stand behind them. But I also I also love them deeply. <laughs> I get that. I, I really like his voice, too. Um, my um, it's funny. My I haven't thought about this in a bit, but when I was young, kind of my first thing of trying magic before i knew what magic was was there's a series of books by roger zelazny called the uh the i think they called them the amber chronicles now they weren't called that when i was a kid but it was nine princes in amber and then uh there's four books after that and then another series of five but the first five books were these life-changing books for me and one of the uh way one of the kind of the topography of it for lack of a better term is the the princes of amber are these kind of powerful they're basically like the third generation from the guy that invented the universe and they can travel through like alternate dimensions by focusing their mind like so they can walk and think all right that rock over there is actually when i turn a corner there's going to be a rock on my left and when he turns the corner there's a rock on his left and doing this they walk enough to completely change the landscape of where they are and thus travel through various dimensions and towards you know the magical homeland that they they all go to which is called amber but that this was my first really cool. experience. They, they're not great. They're not well-written, but they're super, super fun. And, and there's a lot of just dumb sword fighting, but it's really super fun. To take You could read Embrace Therm in a week. But um, that was my first, looking back on it years later, that was my first kind of attempt at a magical kind of act, was anytime I'd walk, I'd try to change my, my surroundings. So if I was turning a corner, I would say, there's going to be a tree over there, or, you know, the... the the tree limb's going to fall sideways. There's going to be a rock there. That there's going to be a playground there. Just I'll try to force my will onto the universe, and Did it you know, work? It, debatably. But I mean, I also didn't travel much, so it could be. You know, I think a lot of it was just me barely remembering what's around the next street and thinking I put it there. You know, <laughs> but I mean, that's a lot of magic is just talking yourself into thinking something happened, and then you know that <laughs> being how it happens. You know, I've you actually... can't do. Magic, you don't think it can happen. You know. It's interesting, like, I've actually tried something similar, but it was, uh, through, when you pass through a doorway, like, picturing as if you've passed into a portal to, like, a parallel dimension, and then looking for the differences, and, uh, I really freaked myself out doing that one time, (laughs) and that was about the same time time when the uh the whole mandela effect meme started going everywhere so yeah. i really freaked myself out with that one well i had I, here's a it's it's such a not crazy story but it's a crazy story so this is years before the mandela effect was a i'm pretty sure the, the phrase wasn't coined yet 
you can listen to early episodes of the Alex cast where I make jokes about how I think I'm living in the wrong universe long before Vandela effect, at least before it became a meme. Cause when I was younger, uh, late teens, somewhere around there, and this isn't the true story. Cause I don't really remember the true story anymore because it wasn't important at the time until years later where I started to feel uncomfortable and be like, I feel like I'm not supposed to be like, this is the wrong place. So I was drinking a coffee cup and it wasn't really a coffee cup. This isn't the right color. Cause I don't really remember the story. I can't stress that enough. I hate feeling I like I'm lying. I wasn't supposed to be in here today. <laughs> yeah. But kind of the concept is I, I was thinking of this coffee cup and it was the wrong color. And now this is the house I grew up in with the coffee cups. I know like, it was the wrong color. And I went, oh, weird. How the hell did we get a new old coffee cup? Because this wasn't a color that we had in the house. It wasn't, it wasn't there. That's not, I know the coffee cups in this house. I'd, I'd lived there for 18 years. Like, they're, 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 I know them. It's like, oh, that's weird. So I went downstairs and just didn't think anything else of it. And just that coffee cup was now part of it. And one of the other, so basically a coffee cup changed color in my house. And it's one of those things that it's so small and so stupid that you're like, you don't think about it. Yeah. Two years later, getting into the magical thing and thinking about like kind of crossing dimensions. And then especially when the Mandela effect happened, I, I had the thought of, oh, fuck, that's it. Like, that's exactly that feeling of like, oh, I'm in the wrong universe. Uh, it, everything kind of coalesced into like this understanding of, oh, shit, I remember when that coffee ch cup changed color. Like, oh, fuck, this, that is it. You know, I, I was raised in the universe where it was the Berenstein Bears. I was raised in the universe with a green coffee cup instead of a beige one. It, it was like this really revelatory moment and it's such a small, cause it's a nothing story. It's literally the changing of coffee cup color. And those are even the right colors. I barely remember the colors. I just remember the color changing. And that's so fucking weird. I feel like I had a, a moment like that in my childhood, but it was like, it's, I'm having presque vu. It's like on the tip of my tongue, but I can't, it's like, I, I'm grasping at a memory that I know is there, but I can't Yeah. because it was, you know, at the time I saw, I was like, Oh, Oh, whatever it must be i must have just you know missed something or they must have got something you know like you said you know oh we must have new coffee cups or something you know just not even thinking about it and yeah and it's just it's one of those things that doesn't like i know it had it, to do with the forest too that's that's what really messing with me because now i'm just like of course if it was going to happen anywhere it was going to happen in the forest <laughs> oh yeah yeah, it's it's an interesting thing. It's just especially when they're small like that, where it's it, it doesn't to learn enough to know what it was. And you're like, holy fuck, that was a thing, you know? That yeah. was a yeah, that was that was a a moment, you know? And I, I it's just so odd because I keep thinking about in the again, it's just I, I'm I'm so focused on being old lately. But like, I think about the early days of the Alex where I said I was I'm in the wrong universe, kind of joking around, and then years later the Mandela effect becomes a thing and I'm like oh fuck I was talking about this before it was a thing like <laughs> this is weird that's like proof this is proof it's a thing getting that <laughs> hipster cred <laughs> yeah <laughs> but uh you know I always thought it was funny that specifically the Berenstein Bears was the thing that everyone like latched onto because I remember when I was a kid and I first got that book I already knew how to kind of read but like not super well so I would get hung up on words, and I remember getting hung up on the title, and my mom saying, "Oh, it's the Berenstein Bears," and I'm like, "But that's not what that spells," and I was oh, just yeah. thrown off. And she's like, "Oh well, it's foreign, so that's why it's spelled weird," and I just kind of accepted that. And then then everyone starts freaking out about the the spelling, and I just I have I just immediately remembered that that moment from my childhood of like, yeah. but that's not what it spells. <laughs> well, you know, I, I think the Mandela is the much more 
interesting thing in the Mandela effect theory is, is like people remember this specific year where they remember him dying. And a lot of people remember the specific month and day. The Berenstein Bears thing is just, I, yeah, you just misread the name. Like that doesn't, yeah. that's not surprising to me at all. Cause like Steen is a much more common sound than stain. Berenstein is, that's awkward. Like who, who has stain at the end of their name? A shitload of people have Steen. Well, not so, only that, but yeah. like the, uh, the cartoon of it that came out, they had like a very thick accent on the name. So it sounded like Steen, even though it was actually saying stain because of, it's just, yeah. they had a really thick, like Southern draw to it. Yeah. That's it. See, to me, that's not surprising in the slightest that that's, a, you know, the same as like interview with a vampire or interview with the vampire where, yeah, you just misremembered the article before the word vampire. That's not, that's not shocking to me. That's not proof of another universe. Yeah. I wasn't even aware of, so I didn't, even know about those that book or film until my ex because she was really into the horror i was never really into horror too much so i didn't even know that was one that people were hung up on yeah the people are it's part of the if you look up the mandela effect the you know, web pages are devoted to it that's one of the ones that people cite is the interview with uh or interview with the vampire i mean to, again it's i mean I, I it's obviously just confusion of the article that's not that weird and yeah. I'm, I'm never a big horror person either. I just like actual... vampires. I'm sorry. Uh, which one's the actual one for that one? I don't remember. I think it's Interview with the Vampire. I could see why people would mix that up because that doesn't flow very well. Or maybe it's maybe it's uh and people think the. I don't remember. It's you know it's. It's not important. <laughs> it's, it's yeah. It's it's the one that's true. They think it's the other one. I mean, they're both. I mean, frankly, it's not a very great title either. Right. And. Gosh, I couldn't even sit through the film. She tried to make me watch it, and I, I got bored halfway through and started doing something else. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I had a pretty big crush on Brad Pitt back then, so I I kind of <laughs> love that movie, but not in any way that I could defend it. <laughs> like It's just kind of like, oh, they're pretty, and they're saying pretty things. I like watching this. <laughs> <laughs> That's hilarious. I have a few f films that are like that for me. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it happens. You know, it's just one of those like, yeah, that movie's terrible. Yeah, I mean, it probably is. But like, I can't see that. It's just look at them. <laughs> the recent live action uh, Alice films is that for me. Definitely. The the Tim Burton ones? Yeah. Oh, wow. I, I never watched those. I heard they're terrible. <sighs> well, <laughs> I can't say anything. Yeah. I just mentioned that. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah. It's one of those. <laughs> wait, 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 for who? The the. The Alice? Mm-hmm. Oh. You know, I never I don't even know what she looks like. I I, I forgot to, I, until I said Alice with a question mark, I kind of forgot she was an adult in those movies. <laughs> like I thought there was a lot of creepy going on here. I totally I forgot she's like a twenty something in those movies. Oh yeah, no, she's like in the second one she's got like a, a boating company, like a shipping company. <laughs> uh, that's very strange. Well, I mean, that's the setup, and then she goes into the thing after. Yeah, I kind of, I, I was a huge Tim Burton fan when I was young, and uh, there were so many misses in a row that I just, I feel like I'm protecting my memory of a man I love by not watching his later work. <laughs> <laughs> well, see, for, for me, part of it is also that I just love adaptations of Alice in Wonderland in general. Oh, like, yeah. Like, there's the, the video game, American Mickey's video game series, and 
I even really liked the Hallmark take on Alice. Like, actually, that was the first film version I ever saw, and I really liked that as a kid. Yeah. Um, I think I like the, the the animated one with her in the blue dress, but, I yeah, I don't the really remember. Disney, Disney animated? Oh, that was, yeah, that was Disney, yeah. Um, I think it's the only one I really ever liked, but I liked those books quite a bit when I was young. Yeah, I just... I mean, looking back on it now, it was just, I really liked anything that was really weird and psychedelic, but I didn't have a word for that as a kid. So oh, like, yeah. you know, my, my favorite Winnie the Pooh tape, of course I say tape cause it was, a, it was a VHS. Um, yeah. my favorite Winnie the Pooh film was, uh, the blustery day because it had a weird trippy scene where he like passes out and like has a weird hallucinogenic trip that was a dream oh, really? about like uh like it was it, it's played off as a dream but it's like very hallucinogenic like trippy imagery where he like yeah. dreams about heffalumps and woozles attacking him in his sleep oh that's rad <laughs> yeah it's honestly it's it's worth like look i think that somebody uploaded it to youtube if it's still there like it's worth seeking out just to watch that scene because it's such a weird trippy dream sequence and then of course my favorite type of art is surrealism I was born yeah. weird. <laughs> yeah, oh, I hear you. I was just thinking the um, there's that hallucinogenic honey. Um, I think it's somewhere in the Himalayas uh, that they make it. Well, they don't make it. It's the bees make it. I, they like pollinate something that has uh, psychedelic compounds in it. So the locals just you know go up and do this treasured thing. But it's yeah, hallucinogenic honey. And so that would be a rad episode of Winnie the Pooh. <laughs> want that to be a thing now <laughs> they'll yeah. never do it especially today but i want that to be a thing <laughs> yeah just eeyore just bumming him out just be like oh you're ruining my trip eeyore you know the whole rump uh that'd be fun <laughs> now this whole scenario is playing out in my mind <laughs> yeah i'll get drawing <laughs> oh gosh I have enough trouble drawing what I see in the scrying surface, let alone like an entire animated short. Yeah. And I don't think it's really worth it to, just to get sued by the mouse. Uh. Right. Right. <laughs> I can't stop picturing that. <laughs> I, keep, I keep just laughing my butt off. This is going to be like half recording of me just laughing. Wow. Oh. Good people. People like laughing. I don't know. I don't know what people like in podcasts. I gave up years ago. <laughs> I just, I just go on and say random shit for an hour, and then inexplicably people listen. Hey, whatever works. <laughs> yeah, I don't even know if it works. I don't know what happens. I don't know what goes on in the internet. Just every now and again, people go like, "Oh, I like that episode." It's like, "Oh fuck, I forgot people listen." Shit, I probably shouldn't have admitted to some of that stuff. <laughs> I think honestly, a, a component of podcasts is just voyeurism. Being able to listen to the conversations you wish you could just sit down and have, which is honestly yeah. part of why I started mine was I just wanted to, an excuse to have those conversations for myself. <laughs> yeah, it is nice, and it gives you kind of permission to like just have force force the conversation instead of like being in a room with an interesting person and hoping something interesting happens. You're like, fuck this. No, we're sitting down and we're going to talk about occultism or we're going to talk about you know, some weird ass thing. All right. What happens after you die? Go. All right. Speaking of that, what do you think happens after you die? <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm, 
I'm forever going back and forth. I, but I think my main hurdle in my kind of spiritual occult, whatever, whatever path I'm on is that in the back of my head, the materialist view of when the body shuts down, everything shuts down makes a lot of sense to me. So it's odd because I believe in a lot of weird shit and believes the wrong word, but I, I lean towards a lot of weird shit and practice stuff as if it were real. But in the back of my head, I feel like when the lights go out, the lights might just go out, which is a deeply depressing thought. Um, it's either that or some form of reincarnation cycle, you know, because that also sort of, I, I feel like I could fudge a scientific explanation for that. You know, the, the kind of, it, it, it takes less resources to build a consciousness once, so it's actually an evolutionary advantage to keep the same consciousness in a new host body. I could sort of make that argument, and that makes me be able to go to sleep at night. Sorry, depressing answer. <laughs> no, it's fine. Um, I I went through a phase where I was like a hard-line new atheist, like material is all there is. Um, but then... You know, I told you somebody introduced me to Wicca, and I was like, okay, well, you know what? I'm going to go into this with an open mind and just see what happens because, you know, maybe I'm wrong about all this. Who knows? And so I did, and I got results that I didn't think could have happened. And, I mean, it was nothing huge, but just enough to, it's like, okay, that's weird. And I just kept trying stuff and getting more and more into it and getting more and more intense and trying more and more ridiculous things and getting more and more results. And now it's it's gotten to the point where it's like, okay, I can't not see... Like, I, I, I look at, you know, the person I was then, I look at the people that have materialist mindsets and I just, I can't help but laugh because it's just like, no, you're, you're wrong. Because yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'm so... Either Sorry, either either my past self is wrong or I have officially gone completely insane because like some of my hits were so intense and so like I can't explain how that would work otherwise. Yeah. See, my problem is I can explain both sides equally, so I can never really commit cuz I'm I'm fine with thinking I'm insane. I mean, I'm not happy about that result, but like, I'm the one thinking it. So from a, from a pure perspective of, I'm not the one that can make these judgments. So if all the experiences I've had that would be considered outside of a materialist paradigm, I'm the one experiencing them. So, you know, it's like a flawed narrator if, if this were a work of fiction. So for me to come up with the, the explanation of there is something beyond materialism, that's something that a crazy person would say. Well, so also that's the brain that a crazy person would have. So the, it's like the self-fulfilling thing either direction you go. So either the works that you do are true and real and reinforces an, an actual reality that involves spirits and et cetera, et cetera, that reinforces that belief. But with the exact same evidence, it can reinforce the belief of talking yourself into just you've gone crazy or you've actually talked yourself into being crazy. Same evidence, completely contrary results. And I, I, I mean, it doesn't stop me from practicing stuff, but kind of in the back of my head, it's like, well, maybe it is that way. 
Well, but also I don't like believing in things and belonging to groups. So that's my natural. I started to believe in something. So I have to bristle and start believing the other side. <laughs> um, without giving too much away for particular reasons, let's just say I did a spell once and like the very next week it happened exactly as described. <laughs> like, yeah. And, 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 and it was something that was too, like that's it's something that doesn't just happen every day. It's something like very very weird and out of the blue and very needed to happen for my for me to be okay uh, psychologically. And yeah. uh, it's like okay if I can if I can make something that huge happen with the right intention and the right spell and the right you know all those sort of pieces of the puzzle, then how can there just be the molecules and nothing else? There's got to be some sort of mechanism for that, and it's like, yeah. and that's not not even an isolated incident. It's just the most big and obvious one. There's been other ones that are have been pretty significant, and then of course there's my big crazy out of body experience that I've talked about on my podcast before and a few others I think. Yeah, no, I I got like I'm I'm there with you. Like I have the same thing for shit that I've experienced, but still it's kind of in the back of my head of like, all right, well science right now is also kind of having this idea of retrocausal action. So it's like, well, all right, in the future, something happened and I just remembered it out of order, which is kind of fucking weird and miraculous in its own sense. But that doesn't mean when the see, lights go out, you continue on, you know, or well, that see, there is you. Yeah. See, for me, I see that as like, that's the straw that broke the camel's back for me. Cause it's like, okay, well, if retrocausality ex- works, then, then our entire concept of what the universe is, is wrong because that just doesn't, that doesn't fit with a, there's just material and nothing else kind of viewpoint. But of course I've also had like other weird experiences. Like I've had like spiritual entities show up and knock over crap in my apartment and throw DVD cases at me. So it's like, at that point it's like, okay. And and there was other witnesses. So it wasn't just me. So like if it was just, if it was just me at home alone and that stuff happened, I'd be more willing to, maybe say, okay, maybe I, like, you know, knocked it over and forgot or something. But when, you know, two people are in a room and all of a sudden a DVD case flies off the table and lands right in front of me like it was about to hit me in the face, and my then-partner looks over at me and says, was that you? Like, did you do that? Please tell me you did that. And I'm like, no, I was sat right here. You know I was. It's like, okay, like, how does that, how does that, how do you explain that away? That's like, did gravity just suddenly decide to stop working for a minute? Like, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't think I could make the argument that everything's materialist, but I mean, the, the, the conversation starts with, you know, what happens, you know, when the lights go out or what happens after you die is the world can be weirder, but I mean, the, yeah, well, I just, I th- it's not that I even believe either way. It's just, I feel like I can make a strong argument both ways. Like, and also I had a thing when I was young, like, this is me and a friend grasp left hands, and we did that whole invite a spirit to write with us thing. Both of us can barely write cursive with our right hands. We are two ham-fisted, bad-at-writing people, and we wrote pretty damn nice cursive with our left hands cl- uh, clasps when we're both right-handed with shitty handwriting, and good cursive came out. Right there, it was like, all right, well, well look, fuck, there's obviously something else happening here. The idiomotor effect fuck your face no there's this is like a real thing but also eh, you know who the hell knows so i just the other side of it is like 
well, I, maybe we've convinced ourselves so much and I'm actually hampered by my own belief in bad handwriting. <laughs> As I said, I might be nuts. So, who, you know, who, I can't listen to this. My bur- I can't listen to what my brain says. Listen to that guy. You know, he's saying this crazy shit. Well, um, I've, I've actually never heard of doing that before. That's actually really cool. I'm going to have to try that. Oh, really? Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So you grab a left hand. I mean, assuming you're both right hand dominated, you grab left hands and hold a pen like um, basically in the most awkward way possible. So like there's, you know, almost like a, like a three-year-old holding a big crayon, you know, that kind of wrap your whole hand around it way uh, so you don't have fine motor function. And then you ask, you know, any spirit to talk through your hand. And sometimes it works. It's an old, you know, old uh, slumber party thing. I was just had a Ouija board. <laughs> yeah, I had one of those too. But yeah, this was Ouija board. I can kind of that. That I feel like is easier to trick yourself into than like, ah, oh, shit. We wrote in cursive, and I'm bad at cursive. Like, I don't even know how to spell my name in cursive all that well anymore. And this was, you know, oh shit. This is you know proper left-handed cursive, which is that's that's difficult for me to wrap my you know try to uh, gloss over with any kind of like pure materialist view of the universe. Well, what's what's really weird for me is looking back. It's like I was doing stuff growing up that now I look back and it's like that was kind of magical. Like you know, you mentioned slumber parties. Like for me, we did we did try the Ouija board a little bit, but like what we really did a lot was I would hypnotize my friends. Oh yeah, I used to try that all the time too when I was young. Yeah. Get them to say really stupid stuff. Oh yeah, totally. Yeah, and, that was and, that was fun. and record them like on a tape recorder. <laughs> yeah. Be like, I said that. <laughs> yeah, I found I found a like how to hypnotize people book at the local library, and I tried to hypnotize all my friends. Somebody had given me a uh, a text document, like just on a on a floppy disk that was instructions on oh, how nice. to do it, and I had a. Uh, I uh, I actually had this weird um, device because this is this was when the Nintendo DS was the new handheld, and I had this like device that I could lo- load into it that let me put files on a compact flash card and access them. So I, that's actually how I would carry my Nintendo DS around with this weird attachment on it that let me have like a simple kind of computer-like interface to re- yeah. like play media file. I used it instead of an MP3 player for the longest time. <laughs> and so I had a, like a text reader on it, and I was reading the document. <laughs> Looking back, yeah. it sounds so absurd, but, like, you know, I didn't want my parents to find me with it, so I didn't want it to be, like, printed out of the printer or anything. Yeah. Oh, God, you're young. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, that made me feel like a fucking million. <laughs> <laughs> but, but yeah. Um, so that was what I did. I forgot what we were talking about before that because I started just reminiscing. <laughs> oh, no, it's fine. I just, I boy, I just felt old. I mean, I literally remember when the Nintendo came out, like the first one, <laughs> the well, Nintendo Entertainment System. <laughs> I th- see, the thing that's weird for me is I was always like lagging behind for the longest time, like my parents were really stingy about like buying me new things. They would, they would tend to buy me used things, not because yeah. they couldn't afford it, but, but just because they, I don't know. My mom was like weirdly technophobic, which played into all of it. So like 
when when I was young, like the Super Nintendo had already come out, but like I grew up with the NES and the Intellivision. So like I've always felt like even and and that's not the only example of that, but that's just the most obvious. Like I've always been a bit like I was born young, but yet at the same time, like I was always I related more to people older than me and that's like only gotten worse as I've gotten older. So uh, yeah. people, people tend to clock me as a lot older than I am. It's weird. I've, I've the opposite thing where we were, so I was raised technically in the pre-internet era, but my brother, my eldest brother was like super nerdy. So he was on BBSs in the, like the late eighties downloading Commodore 64 games on like Ruda rudimentary modems. So like, I was on the internet like before the internet got popular, like not in like a hipster way. I just, I grew up with it in a way that a lot of other people my age didn't. So it's like, I kind of feel like my childhood was a little bit closer to kids like 10 years younger than me, which is a like a awkward thing because I like everything else was like everything else in my, my frame of reference is old people stuff. But it's like, no, no, I, yeah, I grew up with that too. It's like, yeah, but I never learned how to spell because I've had a spell check since forever you know and that's that's usually takes somebody about you know five ten years old uh, younger than me for that fact to be true my mom would not let me how to spell know how to spell she made me like sit there and memorize the dictionary like she would make me memorize words it was really obnoxious like my mom before she had me she was a teacher so like my whole childhood she was also teaching me which probably played into all of this oh yeah because i was always way ahead of all the rest of the students in my in my school but uh no like we were the last people i knew to get internet so oh boy yeah like for the longest time the only time i ever really got internet was when i went to the library and uh and then even when we did it was like we had dial up for the longest time and then like they were the last to switch over and like even childhood like i didn't have cable for until my mom won at a business expo of all things a free satellite like dish installation and like first so many months of service and that was finally what got us cable service because before that it was just the tv stations and that was it so like even though i grew up you know, in the nineties, in a lot of ways, I relate a lot more to like people that grew up earlier because like my parents were just so slow to adapt anything. Yeah, and... geez, by that you're older than me. Cause like I grew up with cable. <laughs> and I'm, fucking, I'm significantly older than you. <laughs> so like, I don't really relate to people my age very well. And it's only gotten worse as I've gotten older, especially the more I read books and just, get so bored with all the stuff that's new like oh yeah i'm getting to the age now where even my like interesting friends are not being interesting anymore because i'm still reading and trying to keep neuroplasticity and and find the world interesting and find new things and like a lot of my friends are now like watching sports and like just kind of doing like boring stuff and they're just calcifying and it's like oh no this is this is awful what's going on (laughs) i i have my one sport and i don't even like follow it that closely but I just, I grew up playing, like, baseball, so, like, I have 
like I I like baseball, and I'll sometimes go and see the local like minor league team play or watch them when they're on TV. But I'm not I don't get super into it, and I don't get people that get super into sports, especially the people that like practically make it into a religion. It's like no, I've got I've got actual religious stuff to for that. Oh yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I don't mind a sport. Like, I, I used to watch hockey, and like, I'm, I'm, like, I'm fine with them. I just, I don't like yelling and groupthink and all the other stuff that comes with sports. But right, like, that's it's that's... fun watching people do like athleticy things. Like, that's that's interesting. <laughs> yeah, that's more or less my take on it. But, uh, but yeah, so I've always felt like I was, you know. Like, everyone always accuses me of being an old soul because... Oh, yeah. I very much have, like... You know, I go to a group of, like, you know, witchy people, like, easily twice my age. And I quickly become... Everyone's, like, asking me questions. And I start, like, practically going on a lecture about stuff. Just... I think a big part of it is I I actually do my homework... (laughs) Yeah, that is really rare in in this community. A lot of people just want to be something and don't actually bother reading it or, you know, practicing or putting any effort in. It's like you're you're referencing uh, the the lady that kind of hipped you to Wicca a little bit and turns out she just owned, you know, a deck of tarot and some incense. Like there's a (laughs) lot of people now that are, you know, they're 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 do as I will to be the whole of the law is the only phrase they know. You know, it's just it's these just kind of T-shirt occultists. Yeah, where where whereas like, I mean, to to even be a Sumerian reconstructionist requires a lot of, like you you can't just do that. You have to be willing, because because there's no books on it yet. Um, yeah, <laughs> working on making that a thing. Uh, not just me, but like the whole Temper of Sumer group. I I contributed to the book, but hopefully there will be a book soon. But um. Yeah, I mean, other than, like, like you have to be willing to, to, to get stuff sent from, like, universities and, and fork up for university textbooks on Sumerology to even, like, scratch the surface on that. Yeah, totally. Yeah, no, you, you have to put in the actual effort. Yeah, that's that's good on you. That's That sounds hard. That's but then, I, 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 I like other people doing my research for me. I'll, re- I'll read your book in about 15 years or whatever. Let's, <laughs> let's, I like other people to do the heavy lifting, you know. Well, and then on top of that, like, not only am I studying that on a, like, near constant basis, but, um, I'm also studying, like, six other paths as well, just to, like, have other perspectives and stuff, so. Yeah, that's rad. I wish I were doing that. I'm dicking around writing comic books. <laughs> so, like, I've been, you know, I got a foot in that, and then I got a foot in, like, the Hellenistic Reconstructionalism, and then a foot in the celtic reconstructionalism and then a foot in and like still have a bit of a foot in wicca i don't really practice it anymore but i do kind of keep up with the literature and then you know a fucking foot in the the grimoire magic and a foot in the chaos magic pool yeah (laughs) i'm kind of all over the place when it comes to what i take in and mix into my practice but then when i actually go to practice it's usually i'm like okay let's yeah, that, but let's put it in a Sumerian worldview and let's translate it to Sumerian or at least write some Kenyan form in there. 
Yeah, that's that's why I hate to like put a label on myself. Like, so when I say chaos magic, I mean that in like the way that it was founded. In that, I like to just grab little bits and pieces from here and there. And like for me, my like what you do with Sumerian stuff, I do with fiction, which is kind of weird to say, but like I like drawing from fictional worlds. I think there there's a lot of power there for like magical practice. So like if I do like any kind of prayer stuff, it's usually to characters from books, like you know purely invented things because I feel like they're they're fresher, you know, like, you know, and not some old moldy God, you know, this, this is something that happened, you know, in the past 50 years. And see, I have the exact same reason for exactly why I prefer the old moldy gods, as you oh, yeah. put it, is because I feel like there's more power in something that's been, you know, worshipped since practically the dawn of civilization. Um, and oh, totally. I, yeah. I, I feel mean, like, I, I, I feel like there's a lot of power in something that's really, really old. And especially, yeah. like, it, there's also, like, almost, like, an authenticity to it that I feel really drawn to. And that, you know, it is so old <laughs> that yeah, it I almost got, feels I, like, original. I have a of Ganesha in my apartment right now. Like, I, I, I'm there with the ancient stuff. It's kind of the middle stuff is what, like, that's the old dusty, like, like the, the Christ or any of the kind of. Like oh, any gosh. of the Nordic stuff, like anything that's from like, I don't know, less than 4,000 years old. I'm a little like, yeah, on. And that's not true. I take that back. I just, <laughs> I just don't, I just, I, I, there's a lot of Western philosophy and, and religion that bothers me, but the, like the whole, anything to do with Christ or any of the Abrahamic religions, I, I'm, I'm kind of turned off by. I just, yeah. I'm, I'm good. I think it was just because I was raised that way. It's kind of annoying. Yeah, no, I get that. Like, I definitely feel the same way. Um, honestly, that was yet another part of the draw for the Sumerian stuff for me was the fact that it's pre-Abrahamic, that, like, Abraham hadn't been born yet. Yeah. <laughs> None of that, like, that entire worldview didn't exist yet. So it's like, it feels, in that way, it feels like kind of untainted, almost. I guess that's probably a bad way of of, of viewing it, but that's kind of how it feels to me. Which is, no, I do that. Yeah. you know, a big part of what, what is, the draw for Sumerian stuff for me is it. It, it very much feels like, oh, I know it's not original because we like Gobleka Tepe is not Sumerian, but it's certainly very, very, very old, and it's as old as we have. So, and definitely, like those gods are there and listening, and like they'll show up in your scrying surface if you call to them. So at least they do for yeah. me. So. <laughs> well um is there anything else you wanted to say or anything you want to plug We're kind of getting towards oh. the end of the hour now uh yeah i mean I, okay yeah you so you can hear me on the alex cast uh available everywhere podcasts are uh alex with two x's um i'm alex bolin on amazon i have a, a novel out and a bunch of short stories and Things like that. Um, yeah, that's about it. I'm on all the social media. Uh, just, you know, find me. Say hi. I mean, don't, you know, say something more interesting than hi. But, you know, I respond. <laughs> I have a lot of time on my hands. I'll talk to you. <laughs> I can confirm. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> all right. Well, thanks. Thanks for being on. It was a lot of fun. Yeah, thanks for having me. Thank you for listening to Butterflies and Incantations. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast and follow me on social media. This is Vanessa, reminding you that magic is everywhere. You only have to know.